You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hey everyone, and welcome back. Before we get started today, I wanted to remind you guys that we have a Patreon. There's going to be a link in the show notes. If you click that and join us over at Patreon, you're going to get access to really incredible material that you're not going to find anywhere else. We are going to put some good stuff there just for our supporters. So if you haven't already joined us there. Hey, Ashley, I'm excited about today's episode because I think it's going to be extremely helpful to a good portion of parents. I think this is a common issue that we touched on earlier in episode 31. We talked about fear, anxiety, and panic, and we kind of covered all of those topics, but today we're going to focus in on social anxiety. Yeah. You know, I've, I think I've just, I've acquired, um, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this. You know, I've reached that point in my career where I'm, I'm always going didn't we already do this? I think I've already talked, you know, I've talked about this a thousand times with parents. So I think surely it's already out there, but um, you know, I, I, I think the discussion of fear, anxiety, and panic was a good one on a general basis, but I've really in preparing for this. I've been reminded that social anxiety is a specific topic that I think is, is, is worth kind of setting aside and really focusing on that specifically. So yeah, I've, Mm -hmm. I've become interested in the topic. I, I started with a bad attitude, but, but I'm okay. <laughs> Dr. Ken, I'm sure you're always saying to yourself, did I already tell you this? Did that's, I already say I this? I say that all the time. I think that's <laughs> what old people do. Stop me if you've already heard this. So, yeah. <laughs> but I do think it's become even more talked about now in, you know, this time during COVID uh, yeah. because there were such long periods of time where we were all home and maybe you know, got in the habit of being home and not around a lot of people. So I do feel like the subject of social anxiety has, you know, been talked about more recently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, That's that's very true. Very true. I know there, there are memes and everything else about, you know, preferring to stay at home and that sort of thing. And, (laughs) and I think all of us might feel a little bit of it because, you know, it is, it is a big jump to be kind of isolated or be home, especially kids, teenagers for an entire year of school. Some of them, you know, didn't go to a classroom, you know, and so the, the concept or the idea of going back to a classroom or a school full of thousands of kids uh, is overwhelming. And those kids who had social anxiety, this was an out for them for like a year and a half, you know, exactly right. and here we are getting back into the swing of things and being with family and doing things together in more social settings. And we're looking at social anxiety and realizing, I think my kid has a problem, Mm. (laughs) you know, Mm. there's something going on here. So is social anxiety, the same as shyness? Would you expect a teenager maybe, or a kid who had shyness to become a teenager who has social anxiety? You know, so when we talked about anxiety, fear, and panic, we, we talked about the, the old distinction between what we call endogenous sources, that is, you're sort of born this way, it's your physiology. And then there's also exogenous or acquired, like things have happened that really increased their anxiety. And social anxiety is a really good example of really a mix of those two that parents need to really pay attention to their own child and know what is, which is which. So if you're talking about shyness, Jessica, you know, and in, in the extreme shyness is often just a way of looking at extreme anxiety that this, this kid, uh, it's not just in social settings. Uh, 
you know, a seven, eight year old cannot order, uh, talk to the waiter and tell what you want. Um, doesn't want to go in where there's a group, you know, that that's a significant anxiety, which we've talked about. And it's not surprising that a subset of that for people that are anxious and maybe very anxious, almost always a social anxiety is part of that. What may surprise people is I've got a number of kids who are very anxious, very socially anxious, but they're in drama. Like it, they, they can perform on stage. It's not the same as I can never be seen. It's just a specific subset that social anxiety brings. So the answer is that your kid is shy. It's definitely going to affect their social anxiety, but you need to really observe your child enough to know how much of this uh, has come upon them over their lifetime, gotten worse, gotten better, versus how much of this is just a subset of the, the anxiety they've always had. It runs in our family. It, it's, a, it's a mix of, of those in every kid, and you've got to really pay attention to your kid. So before we get too far, Dr. Ken, separate from a, for as anxiety and social anxiety. Yeah, so you know, generalized anxiety is just a, a, a you know, a resistance to anything new. It's like, you know, adrenaline pumps too easily and too quickly. Uh, don't want to really leave the house in extreme cases. Anything new, uh, just don't want to do it uh, because of uh, just a general and just re repulsion of all things. Like just uh, social anxiety is specifically in social settings. So what's particularly true for adolescents is that in early adolescence, you, you develop a sense of self that you didn't have before. So there's an awareness sort of, of how am I coming across to other people? And for a lot of people, that's a significant jump. That's a cognitive change where I can now think about myself uh, as how am I coming across to other people? Or I'm beginning to think of that. And as you may remember, when you're in middle school or junior high, you have the capacity to think of how are you coming across, but you're terrible at actually guessing how you come across. You just assume that everyone's looking at you, that you're the biggest weirdo out there, you know, all that stuff. But mm -hmm. that shift then is often, you may have a kid that through elementary school, certainly young, younger, was just bold, outgoing, funny, you know, whatever. And then right around 12, 13, 14, he or she just suddenly kind of hit the brakes and could hardly think about being in a social setting. That's where you kind of have that mix of that's an acquired, not a trauma, but this acquired cognitive awareness of, whoa, a camera is on me and I have never thought about how I'm coming across. And that's often very difficult for kids even that have not had much anxiety before. That change can be a huge difference and in, in, in create kind of social anxiety. Well, I have to say that was my experience with my daughter. She was about eighth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, suddenly just started uh, just not even wanting to go to class. You know, I got a call from the principal saying I needed to come up to the school. It was very sudden and shocking. It was hard for us as a family to even um, understand what was going on because right. it was so quick. It was within a week that she went from being um, competent and confident and happy to just really not wanting to do anything in any social situation, even with our family, even she close like members of our family. She was about eighth grade, yep. seventh yep. or eighth grade, I guess it was eighth grade. Um, and it lasted for a couple of years where she 
increasingly got better. I think we've come out on the other side of it, which is thank God we've come out on the other side of it because it was really tough. Um, and it's given her a lot of compassion for kids who struggle with this because she knows. Yes. Firsthand. It's a good example. Um, but it did come on sudden is, so is that normal? Just something that just flips overnight. It seemed. I would say whether it's normal or not, it's not unusual. Mm-hmm. And, and I see social anxiety in boys and girls, but I think the sudden onset is a little more common in girls just because of the, the change in your outward appearance is such a weird thing for girls mm-hmm. um, that it is not unusual to develop really a, a, a sort of a hyper self-consciousness that, uh, you know, it, it's the old uh, kind of vision of girls at the mall. There's four or five of them just laughing hysterically at nothing. And it's a kind of way of coping with a sort of self-consciousness that they cannot imagine that we're not actually all looking at you. You, you could just walk regular and not chuckle and, and we're, we're fine with it. They're, they're, they feel this kind of self-consciousness that is, can be crippling. So, but I've definitely seen that in boys as well. But I, I think that is not, I wouldn't say it's normal, but it's also very common. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in that case, for example, back to your question, Ashley, that's not a kid who you would say has always had severe anxiety. It, it seemed like, you know, they were never super outgoing, but they were oh, fine. But boy, by the eighth grade, that kind of thing, all of a sudden, this self-consciousness, uh, you know, it just shot their social anxiety way up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is that more of a, a mental change? You know, that's what it sounds like, but is it, is it hormonal driven then if it's more like you see the sudden onset for girls? Is it more hormonal? Yeah, that's a, that comes up a lot. And when we, I think we talked about hormones in one of our episodes that the, the general way to think about hormones, especially for girls, is it's a volume control, but -hmm. it does not add new material to what's already in their head. So there's no question that during certain periods of the month, certain months at a time, when a girl is having uh, surges of hormone boys as well, that it can make this more intense, but it doesn't cause it. You know, it's very important that, uh, you know, I always go against the crazy theory of hormones that it's made them sort of insane. I would think of it as a volume control. Okay. So then continuing with that, is this social anxiety, something that kids are born with? Is it hereditary or does an event like a certain event, like kind of cause it both either, or like, Again, when you're born with severe anxiety, it's mm-hmm. obvi- almost always you're going to have as, as a subset of that severe anxiety, social anxiety, that then when you get old enough to have this sense of self, it'll even be worse. But the specific answer to your question, social anxiety itself is not particularly a born thing. It could be a mix of both. You've acquired it like Jessica's mm-hmm. daughter, or, or it's just the way it's always been, but now it's worse with social settings. It's a, you really have to know each individual kid to know what is really driving this. Okay. So what kind of signs are we looking for in our teenager that might be warning signs or unusual? Is it always uh, centered around school? You know, kids that don't want to go to school on Monday morning, or I, I've, I know kids who have had such anxiety that they start to throw up on on Sunday night that they're right. stressed about school the day before the next day, you know, or um, maybe these kids are avoiding public situations like going to the mall or going somewhere, you know, uh, where there's a crowd. 
What kind of signs do you see, particularly in teenagers? I think you have to kind of pay attention to the settings that it's coming across. You, especially in young teenagers, you can't count on them to explain it to you well. Mm -hmm. I'm having a crushing self-consciousness that's, that they'll just, everything's just dumb. I don't want to go. Youth group is just dumb. Um, and so you have to really pay attention. The warning signs would be a significant decrease in social, like you're not accepting uh, invitations to things that are otherwise fun. Um, you know, there's different reasons to throw up on Sunday night before school. Social is one of them. Uh, mine was always that I didn't have my homework done. And so <laughs> that that's just a different issue. But, um, you know, it, it's, you pay attention to if it if it is in social settings more and more that they always shy away from that, then um, then that's what you really watch for. And like anything else, uh, it, you also you get concerned when it's interfering with their functioning. So if mm -hmm. your kid has a really tough first two weeks of pretty much every year of school because it's new and all that stuff, that's not great. But I wouldn't flip out about that. They go. Uh, they're just kind of upset every morning for a few days until they settle in. That's, that's not unusual. Um, kids that have adjustments in their social group that uh, create difficulty for a while where they really don't know who their friends are and they're trying to reach out. Again, those are things that involve very possibly social anxiety, nothing to really get overly concerned about when it is affecting their functioning. Now I'm, I'm going to drop out of this sport because I just don't want to be around those other girls or those other guys. I'm, I'm actually refusing school, uh, those kind of things. That's when you get uh, concerned about is this social anxiety rising above a kind of normative level and really interfering with the things they need to do. And as parents, when we start to realize that, Dr. Ken, what do we do then? Well, especially with teenagers, I would caution everyone uh, that it's important for parents to remember that it is very difficult to be effective in your teenager's social life. So the thing you'll want to do is, hey, hey, I want to come in here. Let's I want to talk to you because, you know, you're a fine girl. Everyone likes you. You get in there. That talker out of it thing is is very you. It's just not very helpful at all. And so you'll want to, to really calm your anxiety. Your first go-to very often is I'm going to make a speech or a reminder or whatever. And that's just not very effective. So I would start with the recognition that uh, this isn't primarily something that a parent, if you'll do these things, then you'll help that, that child will then overcome that social anxiety. It's not that simple. It's your teenager's problem. The question is, can I be effective in it? And in that case, I would go back to the communication part talk about yourself and not them, try to help them to recognize sometimes with teenagers, they don't really even know what it is that, Hey, you know, here's something. And again, you start with, I could be wrong here, but can I just mention that this is the third time now that, you know, they've had a thing at church and, and you, you suddenly have too much homework. And, and I, I just wonder if, if part of this is just the social part. No, mom, that's okay. Well, that's, you, you may be right, but I was just thinking so that you're helping them to process what is this. Uh, you're communicating about it where you can. But again, you need to discard the idea of what are the steps a parent does to get their teenager to overcome this. Social uh, struggles are a, a, an essential part of character building in young adulthood. Uh, and so it's not a matter of fixing it. It's a matter of helping and being effective. And those are ways that you can do that. 
Okay. So as parents, should we encourage them or even require them to do things that push them into social situations that make them stressed? Like, do I make my kid go to, uh, you know, of course school, but then do I make my kid go to church functions if they're not excited about being with the youth group? Do I, how old, how old can you put, you know, how long can you push this? How old can your kid be before they, they have autonomy here? That's really what I wanted to talk about today is that the general answer, if you listen to me talk about anxiety, especially severe anxiety, is that you need to be careful about what you press them to do. It may be very difficult with social anxiety, especially when you have a kid that has acquired this, like he's always been a bit shy, but boy, he got super self-conscious and whatever in adolescence. The answer is yes. It's not that you make them do stuff. It's that you really need to be careful about rescuing them out of it. I just can see him so he just doesn't want to go to youth group or he doesn't like going to the. And so we just let him sit with us in church. I would be cautious about that. You don't have to be mean about it. Like, nope, get out of here. But I, you know, I told one family that, um, you know, what you might do is start with, hey, for now on, you get two Sundays a month that you can choose to be with us. But all the other ones, you have to go to youth group. And then after three months, it's down to one Sunday a month. The trick there is not so much that we're forcing them. It is um, reminding them that, no, your life is over there. Your peers are over there. And you are, and this is where you use the adolescent part. You're too old for us to rescue you out of this stuff. And and so uh, again, but don't try to talk them out of it. I get it that it's tough, buddy. I, I see that, but I can't rescue you out of this. You've got to figure this out so that you can go there. Now that part, I spend so much time with adolescents teaching them about overcoming anxiety. Uh, There's several basic rules that I talk about all the time. Number one, you don't make friends with a group. You make friends with an individual, maybe two. Kids are always talking to me. And if your teenager's talking about, well, that group, you know, I saw their snaps, they're out and doing this and they didn't invite me. You don't talk to them and strategize about, well, what if we uh, had them over to our pool and you don't want to even emphasize that whole useless technique of, I want to be liked by the group. I tell teenagers that all the time, there is no group. They don't have votes. They don't come together and go, so do we like him? They don't. It just, they individuals get together. There's always that jerk kid that, you know, doesn't want your kid to be there. But I'm always like, how come they're listening to her? What, what, what has she got that you don't have? The answer to that is always, hey, when that group didn't um, invite you, who in that group were you most hurt by? Who surprised you that I can see that they wouldn't remember me, but that girl I thought was my friend and talk to her about it. You, you strengthen that friendship. One is plenty. Two is great, but you don't have to have bunches of good friends. You can't have, when a kid tells me I've got five best friends, they have no best friend. You, you need one or two that you can process with, hey, am I doing something wrong? How come people are dealing with me like this? That friend of yours, that's rule one. Don't try to make a friend with group groups and don't try to figure groups out. It's one person, two people, and then you together can be a part of that group. Does that, I think I've said that before, right? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Totally think this could be used for adults too. I'm <laughs> just uh, thinking through my own life. Like very let's remember, true. let's remember our own social anxiety as, as parents. I mean, we love to talk about our kids, but I think some of us can recognize this in ourselves too. That's, you know, that gets to rule number two, or at least yeah. which is think about as parents, what are we doing socially? 
because, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I think y'all knew that before the pandemic, I was already concerned about isolation. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, as you already made mention of, yes, it's worse when you have a moderate amount of social anxiety, and then you've spent a bunch of time isolated at home. And mm-hmm. we talked about our kids, you know, it worried me, the kids I had that were fine with staying at home. I would rather the kids be, you know, antsy and frustrated, but the kids that actually would make too big a deal out of the risk, just as an excuse to not have to deal with social anxiety, not good for them. I've also seen more and more families that actually use that as an excuse to basically bow out of human life. So number two is to think about as parents, what, how are we modeling things and having groups of people, our friends and their family over and being a part of their life. So you increase your own social life that requires, and you're going to bring your kid along. You know, we just had holidays and we're heading into Christmas. So that's also a time when you can see, you know, how your kid handles other, you know, relationships, all that kind of stuff. So that's number two is also as a family, think about how you socialize together. And if you're a very isolated couple that just sits at home and just hangs with ourselves and trying to teach that little teenager of yours, you need to make friends. Well, you're just looking kind of silly here. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of think about how you manage stuff uh, yourself. And that's another one. And then thirdly, I've already kind of mentioned, be careful that you're not overprotecting and making it easier for your kid to be isolated. Uh, I, I don't like video games with these giant alienware computers with huge monitors that makes your cage that you're in this gilded fun place that I don't, you know, I have this exciting false video life that Mm -hmm. I don't miss the fact that I'm not interacting with human beings. That's terrible. You need to get out there. And so uh, don't help their isolation to be more comfortable. Uh, We'll, you know, do stuff with us. You don't have to go with your youth group. Uh, you really need to be uh, careful to, again, not to be ugly about it, not pressing them that, you know, I'm, I'm, I think you just need to get over it. But at the same time, I can't rescue you out of this. We've got to, um, you've got to face these things and you kind of press them to do so. So what if you have a teenager that's heading off to college, but they're kind of concerned about going to that new situation, living with roommates, they don't know all of the things that you start to consider when you're a teenager and you realize it's kind of debilitating. They're really, really wanting to bow out of going away for college. Do you push them and say, Hey, you're a grown up now, buddy, you got to go. Or do you let them stay at home to adjust to the situation? What do you recommend for most? Basically families? the answer is yes, you push them. Or again, more specifically, you don't rescue them. That's I'm glad you asked that. That's a very common scenario that Mm -hmm. parents will, you know, we're going to have her stay home for the first year, uh, or he's going to do, you know, stuff at still be close to home because of his anxiety. Uh, You know, there's nothing that's going to happen in the first year after high school that your social anxiety is going to naturally sort of go away. You've got to be, uh, again, not rescued. Like, look, this is the college we agreed is best for you you can go there and deal with it. There's nothing at home that, that will be better. Uh, all kids are anxious about getting there uh, and how it's going to go. That's a very common one that I would not help with that. If they're really worried about their social life, there are resources in whatever town they're going to be in school. There's mm-hmm. a counseling center. There's uh, again, like 
uh, do you know anyone that's going there at that school? Then, you know, let's connect with that person. Things have a lot better now about Facebook connecting with your roommate that used to be. It was potluck meant you literally didn't know who you were rooming with. Well, now there's lots of ways to communicate and kind of pursue those individual relationships uh, to help them deal with it. But no, the answer of we just, you know, he, she, he was just really worried about how he would connect with people. So we quote, kept him at home for another year. I almost, I just never think that helps anything. It, it just forestalls the problem and very likely, uh, you know, kind of begins to cement them into their home and not moving on. So that's a definite point in life that I would not allow that to move backward. That's when you got to go. And your confidence of, I know, dude, it's going to be, it's not easy for you. I get it. But uh, yeah, you know, you're going. So when you are uh, dealing with this in your kid and you see really big signs, what are the big signs we need to be looking for as a parent as to whether or not we need to be seeking outside help with a psychologist, maybe even psychiatrist with medicines and that sort of thing. And let's talk about medicines at the same time. Yeah. So that generally goes back into if you're the signs that we talked about with severe anxiety, mm-hmm. generalized anxiety, then mm-hmm. those are definitely. And again, it's especially when it interferes with functioning. The other one is just if your kid is actually saying out loud how miserable they are. Those are things that, yeah, it's it's good to uh, if they will cooperate, then you get counseling, get a, an evaluation for it. But that's more common with general anxiety. With social anxiety, it's a little harder to say. Very often, a teenager does not want to talk to a counselor. You know, I'm, I'm performing in school. I'm doing stuff. I just am, you know, pretty, you know, withdrawn. And I just like being in my room. Really hard to get a kid to go to counseling for that. That's where you really kind of press on your own communication and not rescuing them out of like, you know, I'm not going to let you sit in your room all day. You know, we're going to take the video game out of the room. This is not what it's for. Things like that. Um, uh, Because there's, as far as medicine, there are definitely medicines that help with severe, what we call endogenous anxiety, uh, where they just are just crippling anxiety. There is not a medicine for specifically social anxiety. And I, I think I mentioned to you that the sort of joke is that, oh, the medicine for social anxiety that a lot of people think is alcohol. Teenagers mm-hmm. actually will tell me that, well, one of the reasons that I drink, and of course, as I always say, teenagers don't drink, they get drunk, is because it, it helps with my so it helps my social anxiety. I'm more outgoing when I've had a few drinks. There are adults that do this. Uh, the problem with that is that, uh, A, it, uh, and write, write this down, doesn't work. It doesn't help. Mm-hmm. The thing that um, intoxication does is it puts your frontal lobe to sleep so that you are more outgoing because you are not yourself. Mm-hmm. And that, that requires then whatever success that it may give you temporarily, you will be relying on being intoxicated always to be able to connect in a social setting. And that's, it basically keeps you from doing the work you need to do, which is establishing your ability to interact with other people. And like I say, you interact with your friend. If you go with your friend, it's much easier. You hang together. There's a, there's a ton of other skills that people just need to acquire. For example, quick flash quiz. If you want to say something to someone that you don't know well, but you don't know what to say, what do you say? Quick. Nope. 
too much. Ask them a question about themselves. Everybody likes to talk about themselves. Yeah. But I mean, I'm always like, if you don't know and you're, you're flustered, but you guys naturally know that ask them about themselves. Mm -hmm. And I tell, I'm always doing the teeners. We already talked about this, dude. If you don't know what to say and you really need to talk to somebody, what do you say? Uh, uh, ask them about themselves. Everyone mm-hmm. likes to talk about themselves. Oh, and listen to what they say. Listen mm-hmm. to their answer. And if you're good at it, you can hide behind questions for a half hour. Uh, you know, you know, those people that yes. you, you come away and you're like, I don't even think I know anything about her, but mm-hmm. I talked about myself the whole time. That's kind of a skill. So mm-hmm. those are things that you need to develop. Those are healthy ways of doing it. Being drunk uh, is just, and by the way, you have to be drunk with other drunk people because nobody enjoys your ridiculous humor unless they're drunk also. So that's just, <laughs> so that's the closest thing to medicine for social anxiety. And it is not good medicine for social mm-hmm. anxiety. It's good. Good words before we all gather with family and friends for Christmas parties and holiday parties. What's up with holidays and people think, (laughs) oh, well, that's what it's all about. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's about Jesus, actually. (laughs) Oh, that I forgot. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this has been a great conversation and I appreciate you talking about this. We have a lot of kids who struggle with social anxiety, and I think parents can find a lot of wisdom in your helpful tips today. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at feedingthemouth.com. <laughs>